Have you ever noticed that if you find that you've dug yourself into a proverbial hole, you have a tendency to just keep on digging? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. Most of us in Tachlis Talks lands outside of the land of Israel will be hearing the Parsha of Nasso this coming Shabbos. Yes, those of you in Israel, you read it last week, you've gotten ahead of us. We will catch up soon. And I hope you will still find this message to be important and meaningful. Within the Parsha of Nasso, we have the description of the situation of the Sota. The Sota, a woman who, after meeting very specific criteria, is brought to the Temple in Jerusalem, to the Beis HaMikdash, where God is going to determine whether she is innocent or guilty of adultery. And again, it's only under very rare circumstances that this is the process. We're not dealing with a classic situation of witnesses in court, but we're dealing with a divinely orchestrated punishment. In advance of that, and important, this is only relevant if she is declaring herself to be innocent, but there is significant suspicion that that's not the case. In advance of the process, which will be make it or break it, and could determine her death and a very gruesome death at that, she's brought to the court where they try to frighten her into reconsidering and acknowledging that she is guilty, should that be the case. Of course, if she's truly innocent, she remains innocent, she is safe, this will do no harm to her, and in fact, may actually provide her blessing. But, out of concern that that's not the case, we try to frighten her to consider an admission. The question is asked, why? She's fully aware of the possibility and the, she knows that she's guilty. She knows what's going to happen. She knows there's going to be this very gruesome, imminent death. Why would that not be enough to have her back down and admit her guilt? Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz and his Sichos Musser, famed uh, scholar and uh, great sage of, of just about... Uh, 40, 50 years ago, uh, sometime I have to be able to really address the, the fascinating story of the whole salvation of the Mir Yeshiva during World War II, the Chaim Shmulevitz at its helm. But within his work, Sichos Musser, he raises this question and points to the fact that human nature is such that it is exceedingly difficult to back down. When I've made a statement, I want to stand by that statement. I don't want to be seen as saying, no, 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 I changed my mind, I was wrong. To retreat from the stance that one has taken requires a certain heroic capacity. And since she declared that she was innocent, she each moment is wanting to stand by that statement and stand further by that statement and stand by that statement, and it is exceedingly difficult. There's a very powerful barrier against her admission. And guys, don't think this is limited to women or this Sota situation. Rabbi Shmulevitz points to a situation that's in the book of Jeremiah where a false prophet, Hananiah ben Azur, was told by Yirmiyahu, was told by the prophet that he would die before the end of the year as a punishment for prophesizing falsely. Now at that moment, when hearing that, we would expect him, he knew that he was a false prophet and he knew that Yirmiyahu was the real thing. Jeremiah was the real thing and what he's predicting will be the case unless he repents, he's going to die and listen to what Hananiah does. Hananiah finds himself dying on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. 
just as the year is about to end. Yirmiyahu told over through prophecy that he would die before the end of the year, and that's happening. What does Hananiah do? He instructs his children, don't bury me before Rosh Hashanah, conceal my death so that others don't know that Yirmiyahu was right and I was wrong. Listen to this. It's considered a great disgrace to the body to not be buried. And Hananiah was probably aware of the spiritual ramifications of that as well. No need to stall. If, it, if there is no need to stall, it's very inappropriate to stall and to see to it that people not realize that I was wrong. He's dying. In this moment, finally, Hananiah, do this repentance, do tshuva, turn to God and beg forgiveness. But no, instead, I need to try to manipulate things so that it will not be evident that I was wrong. I'm standing by my conviction and not backing down from my approach. Similarly, we find that the concept, every judge is told that he has to back down, recuse himself from the bench if there's an element within the case that touches upon him in some way, a manner to which he might have some level of bias. It's a relative, a business partner, someone's involved in this case where the case has some ramifications that touch my life, I can't judge on that case. As Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz points out, if that's true of a judge looking at an outside case where there's a level of connectivity, and it's a judge, this is somebody who has been trained, who appreciates law, society recognizes general wisdom and objectivity, yet we recognize that the human being has some subjective involvement that will bias his decision. How much more so when we are judging our own opinions and our own statements. I've taken a stance on something, how hard it is to back down. I never fully understood the, the, the political debates. How many people, have, have any of you ever changed your mind? You went into a debate, listening to a debate, considering candidate A, and you were you know, very keen on candidate A, and you changed your mind based on the debate. You would think at some point in history... Somebody in a debate was actually revealing a certain truth that wasn't previously recognized. But how rare it is that there's any changes of opinion. Yes, there are people who are kind of straddling, they're on the line, they're unsure. But for the people who have walked into the debate with some level of conviction, how exceedingly rare that that changes. You'd think at some point, somebody up there on the stage has something to present that could enlighten me to think differently than I thought before. But again, human nature is such that we get ourselves into a mode and we stick with that. We're in a rut. We stick with that rut. We've made a decision. I don't want to back down. I don't want to give up, retreat from my position. We dig ourselves into that hole and human nature is to keep digging rather than acknowledge I've made that mistake. Is there hope? Is there a way to get out of that hole? Beis Hillel, Beit Shammai, two great academies in Israel, Rabbi Shmulevitz in that essay describes that we rule in general like the Academy of Hillel. Says the Talmud, why is that the case? That almost always we rule like the Academy of Hillel. The Talmud in Erevin describes that Hillel's approach to life was that they would always first analyze the opposing opinion. And after looking at Beit Shammai's opinion and seeing, can we accept that? Is that something we can work with? Only then would they analyze their own. They were humble, they were forgiving, and they studied their own rulings and the opposing ruling, studying the other ruling first. Having that attitude, I'm a truth seeker. I want to know 
what is it that you are saying? What, what is the other approach? What is the other option? So starting before getting into that hole, pre- preventing getting into that hole or slowly preventing getting too deep, having an attitude of I'm a truth seeker. Not easy because, again, we have so many personal biases and we always think we're truth seekers. To be able to know I'm a truth seeker, I'm really seeking truth rather than just reinforcing my own predispositions. Very significant what the Mishnah preaches to both have a mentor, a rav, and a chaver, and a friend. An outside party, and I can tell that party, hey, I want you to let me know when I'm making a fool of myself, when I am not thinking clearly. A good friend will be willing to tell you off. A good friend will be willing to help you realize you're making a mistake. You know, you're, you're eating at this event, and you just, um, yeah, of course the doctor told me to avoid A, B, and C, but just a little bit wouldn't matter, and to convince myself that it really doesn't matter, I'm taking the second course as well, because it can't really be such a big deal. If I back off from taking the second course, then I'm acknowledging the first one was a mistake, again, in that situation. Having a friend will say, um, hey, like, isn't that off limits for you? And knowing that he or she can say that and not be in trouble for bringing that to my attention, that friendship that allows them to hold me accountable. You know, in the world of coaching, a very big deal, almost, almost the main role of the coach is to be able to hold the other party accountable. When I know I need to report to somebody, then I'm going to be more cautious because if I'm just reporting to me, I'm going to allow myself to dupe myself into continuing with whatever rather irrational argument I have uh, set up in my mind to justify a certain behavior. So prevent ourselves from getting into that hole by being truth seekers, by helping find ways to have outsiders remind us when we're making that mistake. And if we're in that hole and we're digging to train ourselves to stop, even if it's not changing course, but to stop and ponder, do I really want the ramifications of this? Do I really want to continue in this track? And what are the potential hazards and outcomes? It's very difficult. Human nature, in that case of the Sota, it took so much to get her to back down. In that case of that false prophet, Hananiah, he didn't back down. We can expect he was a fairly intelligent person. Uh, he was commanding uh, an audience. He had a following, but it's you know, in, in that mode, couldn't, couldn't pull himself out of that. The opposite extreme, the base hills of the world, that academy that was capable of saying, I want the truth so much, I'm going to really analyze your opinion, and not analyze your opinion, kind of my focus on how can I pick it apart, almost pays for us to reward ourselves if we can ever make that change. Wherever you stand politically, wherever you stand on a social issue, wherever you stand on the COVID debates of expose, don't expose, are we being, uh, going too far or are we being too lax? On each of these issues, you probably have a bias towards one approach. How fascinating it would be if we could reward ourselves for changing stances, you know, for, uh, particularly stances that we've taken that are relatively public, where others know our approach. And we're willing to back down because I've really come to a determination of truth. And I'm going to analyze the other approach to see, can it be the case? Can it be right? Mustering up the courage to do so. Acting on that. Achieving that capacity to stop digging ourselves further into a hole and hopefully start climbing out will be tools that will serve us very well and make it 
far more likely that we will achieve our tachlis.